Welcome to Le Rendez-vous. My name is Garance Doré and I'm a writer with so many stories to tell and ideas to share that I created this special moment to talk about all the things that are going on in our lives. So come, let's spend a moment together. Le Rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré, the skincare line I co-created, wanting to bring more simplicity and efficacy to our lives. Check out the end of the episode for a special code just for you, the Rendezvous listeners. Today, I want to talk to you about how I realized that I am not a businesswoman. It might seem evident to you by now, and it definitely is to me, but there was a moment when I wasn't sure. Let me take you back to that place. It is 2013 and I'm a blogger. What I had started a few years earlier in 2006 had grown exponentially. I started as an illustrator, just blogging a few of my drawings, to writing stories of my life, to becoming a street style photographer. And by the time I had moved to New York, had become quite a phenomenon. I was in the press, I had an agent, and I was starting to have a lot of commissions and to be very busy. And at some point, I decided that I needed to hire. At that time, I'm still working out of my apartment in New York. I live in what's called the village. It's Greenwich Village. It's one of the most sought-after neighborhoods in the city. And... The team is starting to grow. We started building it with who was at that time my assistant, Emily. I had found her on Twitter. We had started working together and she was working with my agents to help me grow a bigger career. And slowly things were moving forward. I used to do everything on my own, my photos, my editing, my writing, obviously, my posting, absolutely everything. There was nothing that I didn't control, and that was just out of need. I didn't have any means to afford anybody to help me. But slowly, as work was building up, and that thanks to my agents, I started having more and more commissions, I realized that I was overwhelmed constantly. And there was a part of me that loved it, because I think if you're starting something and it's working, you just get excited and want to work more and do more. And a part of me was starting to feel like I didn't have a personal life anymore. So slowly with Emily, we started hiring. We started with a writer at the time, it was Alex, and hired an editor to help me with my photos. Slowly, my apartment was getting crowded and we decided that we were making enough money to be able to afford an actual studio. We started looking for it. Emily and I had always had a lot of dreams and ambitions. We love imagining, we love bouncing off ideas, and we'd often do that along with my agent at the time. And there was really a sense of 
possibilities of many things that could happen. And at the time, my ideas were always on point. I knew what people wanted. I knew what was the next thing to do. And I've always had a certain talent for that, for connecting with others, for knowing what they need, and for packaging it into a beautiful message. We started looking for a studio, and one day we found one of the most beautiful places I could ever have imagined. It was slightly expensive, but it was one of these buildings in the city where a lot of young companies of my generation were settling. So the rent compared to what we were getting was actually pretty good. My agent was in the same building. There was Saturdays, I think Mansur Gabriel. It was just the coolest place to be. We were lucky to find something on the 16th floor so we had bright light, enough space to have a little studio, and enough space to grow a team from what we had. It was a true moment of dream, of expansion, of if you've ever thought about moving to New York and making it there, the moment when you find a home for your company is definitely one of those incredible milestones. And I remember having true joy from that. And since this episode is about entrepreneurship, just a little message. It is so important to celebrate all the milestones because there will be wonderful, but also such difficult moments. You have to know that. So celebrate. These years were the moments when we could see a lot of people who, like me, had started on the internet becoming entrepreneurs. I think Glossier was about to start a few years later. The girls at Refinery29 had grown it to a huge level. Natalie Massonet had taken Netaporte from her living room to being this absolute game changer in the world of fashion. There was really something about the self-made woman that was living there at the junction between style, creativity, and entrepreneurship. And I, like most people, was really caught in that. So it was these years, and I was part of it in my own way. We moved into our new studio, started hiring a few more people, bought a whole lot of beautiful furniture, had this big desk, this beautiful chair had this wall behind me with beautiful trophies, a bag I had decorated alongside with Dior, Curtis Culligg, who was a street artist and who was actually a resident in that same building, had come and made a beautiful graffiti of saying just love right behind my desk. It was bright and beautiful and colorful and I had my short hair and I was fitting in there perfectly. And this created a narrative that perfectly fit into that time period. I remember walking down from my apartment in the village, making a stop at Starbucks and walking down the street with my cup in my hand embodying all the dreams of all the girls who had ever come with big dreams in New York. I just had to walk down Broadway, 
through Soho, and right there after Canal Street was my studio. I would get there around nine, sit at my desk, talk with my team, and I literally felt like I was in heaven. It was absolute heaven. I would work in the morning, work with my team, then we would either go out with Emily, eat outside, talk about our projects. We would gather with my agent and talk about the future or go on meetings, you know, jump on a yellow cab and go uptown for a meeting with Estee Lauder, maybe stop at Barney's, check out the latest trends, say hi to a few friends, and then come back downtown, work on shoots the afternoon with my new photographer, where I would creative direct, meet with the models, all those things that were very self-contained and that I really loved because it was still a very small endeavor. And then around five, six, seven, the day would end and I'd meet with friends. I might go have a margarita at La Esquina. I might go meet my friends at San Ambrose, depending on the season. New York was just right there offered to me. Meanwhile, people were very interested in what I was building. And so journalists would come to our studio and it was perfectly corresponding to all the dreams of the time. And they would take photos of me sitting on my desk and started calling me an entrepreneur and a boss woman and all this vernacular that was proliferating at that time. I remember even being called a mogul. And I remember thinking, mm, I just have a small creative studio. I'm hardly a mogul. But I kind of liked being called all that. It was so trendy at that time. And I have to say, I got caught in that dream. And I think that somewhere inside of me, I started thinking, well, that could be really cool. I would love to be the next Natalie Massenet. And it's funny that I identified with an image that others made of me. That showed how much I didn't know myself. But I think what was even more interesting to me was to see how those images are created. My business had nothing to do with an empire. It was literally just a beautifully managed, small creative studio. And yet, if you had read about me in the press, it would have seemed like I was making fortunes and that I was on my way to building the biggest company in the world. So just think about that when you're reading about business people and entrepreneurs and all of that. Nobody asks for the true numbers. People like to build stories and people love to read stories. I was really living the dream. It is funny then that slowly I realized that I was doing all of these things and that was quite wonderful. And we had a lot of projects and a lot of ideas, but really I wasn't producing much stuff when I was in the office. Number one, a lot of my time was spent giving my ideas and my directions to others, which is completely the opposite of what I used to do, which is just work on my own. 
Number two, I realized that I had a really hard time writing, creating, doing anything when I had people around me. So slowly, this lifestyle and this focus on entrepreneurship and growing the studio was eating up all my creative time. So the first thing I did, obviously, was to go talk with Emily and told her, look, I think I have a problem. I'm not able to work here on my big desk, surrounded by all the employees and all the people and the models coming and going and all the jokes we make. By the way, we had the best atmosphere at the studio. And if I remember when I was at school, I was always one of the people in the back making the jokes. I was a good student, but I always loved laughing more. And so basically drinking coffee and making jokes was what I was spending my time doing. I think actually, and I think we talked about it with Emily, I think I was distracting to the team. I was so unfocused. So we had this chat and she said, you're right. And we started changing the way that we were working. I decided to stay home, do my creative work there and come a few hours a day at the end of the day, which is the moment when I can't be creative, basically. I mean, that has changed. But at that time, that's the way that I was working, would wake up early, do all my creative work, and go to the studio. And slowly, I started missing out days. And as my creative work was getting better, I realized that I needed less and less and less time at the office. Emily was there organizing everything and I would come a couple times a week or maybe three times a week for what we called our creative meetings that would last for a long time and that would be great connection with the team. But then I would be able to go home and just work on my computer on my own. Having employees is wonderful, but it's also for a lot of creative people the beginning of the end of something. Anybody that's listening, if you've ever had that dilemma, I'm sure you know what I mean. Delegating creative work is the most heartbreaking thing anybody can do. If you're a photographer, you love editing. And when I mean editing, it means picking the photos, color correcting them, cropping them. The lot of work that goes from taking a raw, piece of work to the end product. And if you ask a lot of photographers, they'll tell you that one of their favorite things to do is to sit in the dark with their photos and edit them. So if you hire an editor, this is kind of something you take away from yourself. It's understandable because at some point you have to make choices. And those are choices all creative people have to do. It's the same thing in my case when we started building the Atelier Doré website. What had started as a blog was slowly becoming a publication. I hired editors and they started writing and each of them had their own talent. Anytime they were writing, I could feel that they were taking my voice away from me. And I loved reading them but I also knew that not only did I feel like it was impossible for them to replicate what I did, and that was not the goal, but also the audience didn't always really know what they were coming for. I also think that because 
I'm so attached to my creativity and my voice and my message that I never really just delved into that. When I look at what my friends at Refinery29 did, they started as writers, but when they decided to let go of that, they just went for it full on. And for me, I always wanted to keep things small, to keep the communication with my audience. And in many ways, it was being loyal to myself and to my views about creating beautiful stories. But in other ways, it was really one of the most uncomfortable choice I could have made. The other side of the difficulty of working with others when you're a creative is that you have to spend a lot of your time managing them. And in my case, that's when I first got to face the fact that I was way too emotional to manage people. It was okay hiring them, but as soon as there was a problem, either if they were thinking of leaving or their work wasn't as good or I was disappointed or they were, so many emotions started getting through me. It was very difficult because it was impacting my creative work. I felt very attached to anybody that was working with us. There was probably some ego in there, maybe too much sentimentalism, but the only way that I was able to deal with that was to slowly detach myself emotionally from my employees. So very soon I had to chat with Emily and I told her, do you think you can take over managing people because it's costing way too much for me? And I also think there is this expectation because I was the main creative, also because I think people were working with me because they found me aspirational. Often they wanted more from the relationship that they could have with me and I couldn't give that to them because when you're the main creative at the head of the company and facing the outside as well, meaning I was meeting clients, people that wanted to work with me and a lot of the work as a creative is to go out and charm people into wanting to work with you. And a lot of people like me are very good socially are very strong, you put them out there and they just will charm the whole room. Charisma is a very important part of the job, but they'll come home and they'll be exhausted. And that's why I need so much solitude. It's because I can do those things, but they cost me so much. So when I would get back to the office, I didn't have it necessarily to give it to my employees. And I remember that there was a sense of frustration I couldn't give them what they wanted. And I didn't have the words to express all that the way I do today. And so I just felt like I was letting everybody down. And I remember that the more I was growing in that position as the boss, the more I was feeling like I was letting everything down, whether it was my creative work, whether it was Emily who was trying to grow the business, or whether it was just my team because I couldn't be there for everyone. What I was good at was doing my creative work and going out, meeting people and charming people. There is another thing that should have shown me that I was not a business person right away. And it's that I've always hated numbers. I hate numbers. 
I was horrible at math at school. And even when I started my blog, I remember I never looked at numbers. I could feel that things were growing and that was way enough for me. And I remember talking with my blogger friends and they were always telling me about their statistics. And I remember telling them, I don't even open that page. I don't want to know because numbers freak me out. And still to this day, that's the case. And with money, I'm even worse. The only thing that I want to know is that I have enough money on my bank account. I've found out my own system, which is absolutely terrible, but that works for me. And thank God I have people around me who help me because it's literally like I, anytime we talk about money, I shy away, I shrink. It's really difficult. That's also why I can't negotiate a deal. That's why I need agents. And that's why I value so much the people who work around me to help me because on my own, it would have been much more difficult to grow. So now I know I'm very good with the big ideas. I'm very good with coming up with a creative world. I'm very good with visuals. I'm very good with coming up with an aesthetic world. I'm great at telling stories. I am quite charismatic and it's okay to say because I've just exposed to you all the things that I'm pretty horrible at. I'm not a good boss. I'm somebody that doesn't like to be at the office. I don't like managing people. I hate talking about numbers and I'm a terrible negotiator and I can make stuff, but I would be unable to sell them probably. I mean, I'm sure that if shit hit the fan, I would be able to do it. But in a normal context, those are definitely not my fortes. And that's also one of the reasons why my collaboration with Emily is so fruitful and so beautiful. She not only has all the qualities that I don't have, but she also has the ability of seeing what I can bring to the table. And it's not always easy. This is another episode I'll do. It's about working with people who think they can do your job. And that's a real talent and something that I often thank her for. And people like Emily are the real business people, the real entrepreneurs who have their own type of creativity, things that they can activate inside of them to just grow things, grow businesses and see the treasures where they are. Emily really has all these capacities. And I think that we've been able to work together for so long. I think now it's about 12 years because we see those qualities in each other. After a few years of slowly shrinking away from the office, I literally moved to LA and was flying to New York a few times a month and slowly disengaged myself from it. It is a bigger conversation, but I think that what we had done with Atelier Doré had been a wonderful adventure, but that I didn't recognize myself in it anymore. I don't know that Emily did either. We had taken a vision that was mine and put it in the hand of a younger editorial team. And as much as the tone and the authenticity and the values that we had were there embodied, I don't think you can ever reproduce the voice of someone. And in the meantime, we had learned so much, all the things that we would never do again. I had finally learned that I was not a business person. 
Emily had honed in on all of her skills. She had grown and matured and we had learned so much. But the main lesson for me was to keep my creativity very close and to not try to have anyone reproduce it. Some people are able to do it, others are not. It was learning to be honest with myself that I was not the business person that I thought I could be and to focus on my qualities and let other people do the things that they can do much better than me. This is why Doré works so well for us. The reason is that it is a very single, very focused vision. I, of course, headed the branding and we worked with a creative director and we worked together with Emily. There is this sense of vision, which is definitely part of my skill set. There is the vision and the embodiment that I've created for many years. That's part of what I bring to the company. I know my place. I remember when Emily came to see me with that idea about creating a skincare line that would stem from my very clear vision about beauty. I know exactly what I want. I know what I don't want. And she took all that and turned it into a business. I remember telling her no in the beginning because we had done everything that you need to do to build a brand before. For other projects, we had gone on investor meetings. We had had to deal with sales, with all these things. And I was like, this is a direction that would kill me. I can't do that. I can't look at spreadsheets. I can't sit with money people for the life of me. This is where I know my soul goes to die. And she was like, I know. And you won't have to do it because I will do it. I feel strong. I feel like I can do it. And I know that you have what it takes to embody and to lead the creative side of the brand. And because we had all that experience together, I said yes. And that's how we did it. And that's why it is so important to keep going and to learn from our mistakes and to be honest with who we are. To not be taken by what other people say of you or think of you. I see so many companies collapsing, not because they were the wrong ideas, but because being an entrepreneur and being a businesswoman is one of the most difficult, complicated, harrowing endeavors you can ever embark on. And the fact that it's been so glamorized over the last few years sometimes makes me sad. Because it has nothing to do with just sitting on your glamorous desk and giving creative direction to people. I know a lot of these business women and I know how burnt out they are and how difficult it is. Having a vision is not enough. You need to surround yourself and you need to know your boundaries and you need to know your limits. If you can't manage people, if you can't talk about numbers, if you can't push yourself when it's hard, if you can't face all the difficult sides of it, maybe you're better off being a one-person team. Maybe you'll make more money like that. Because, you know, one of the other things that I learned is that once you start hiring people, getting a nice office, basically you start spending your life working to pay all these people and all those things off. And not only do you lose a lot of your freedom, but you also lose your ability to say no. 
And that's when you can't be as selective and you have to start taking on projects that you probably wouldn't have if you didn't have to make payroll. So all these things are very important to know about oneself. Today, if I wasn't working with Emily, I would never have launched Doré. I would be doing what I'm doing today with you, which is be on my own, create stories, write, feel like I have this one-on-one connection with others. And I think it says a lot about deciding whether you want to surround yourself with a great agent, a great collaborator, a great manager, a great CEO, or if you'd rather just do the things on your own and enjoy what you have. Some of the people I know who make the most money are people who work on their own. And it's not as spectacular as showing off your giant offices, but when you crunch the numbers and look at that, you actually learn a lot about the things we see from the outside and how they are from the inside. So these are a few of the lessons I learned from my mistakes, from trying to be a person that I'm not. I don't regret anything. I really needed to learn these lessons. And I hope that you've learned a few things about how to grow your dreams in a way that's sustainable to yourself, to your personality, to the lifestyle that you want, and to a life that's made to measure to who you truly are. I hope you have a great week. Sending you love. Le rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré. Doré's latest launch, La Micellaire, is a botanical micellar cleansing water that doesn't require rinsing. Minimize bathroom time and maximize outdoor time with our super simple routine. Use code PODCAST10 for 10% of your first order. Thank you for listening to Le Rendez-vous. If you want to know more about me, find out about my newsletter and my community. Find me on Instagram at Doré or at my website at garance.world. And well, if you'd like to find out how to spell that crazy name, just check out the show notes. Until next time, sending you love.